Okay, well, welcome back everybody to the Madness and Grace podcast. Just me and Matt again here today. And today we're going to be covering a topic that's unfortunately really prominent in today's news. Um, We're going to be talking about, you know, violence, in particular mass shootings in relation to mental illness. But before we get started, Matt, how's it going? How are you doing? It's going all right. You know, I was excited about talking about this not because I particularly like to talk about this, but just because it's such a hot topic and, you know, everybody is talking about it. There's a lot of misinformation out mm-hmm. there. There's a lot of misunderstandings of, of what these are. There's a lot of, you know, kind of apples and oranges comparison because, mm-hmm. you know, one mass shooting or mass attack is not necessarily the same as another one or necessarily even related, just depending on uh, what the event was, where it was, who it was, those types of things. So I thought I'd kick us off today by asking you a question, which okay. we don't do nearly enough. <laughs> and, you know, as a as a young 20-something-year-old woman in this world where, you know, we have a lot of violence, we, these mass shootings are, are increasing. Uh, you see them in schools, you see them in employee uh, employees shooting their, their colleagues, you see churches. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How do you feel? How does that change your daily life or does it? What are your friends saying about these kind of things? It's tough. You know, You know, we talked about a lot about social media in the last episode and how it can be really overwhelming and everything that you see. Everyone is blaming something else because of these things. A, a lot of people want to blame it on mental health issues. People want to blame it on gun reform. People, it's just a lot of pointing fingers at different things. And for me, you know, as a young woman in this country, like, I just don't know exactly where to find the answers to fix something like, like the things that are happening right now. And I don't think that there's a clear answer. Um, And I think that's the problem is we're getting stuck. And I was telling you before we started recording, I went to school to be a teacher and I went through three years of that degree, started my student teaching process. And then the Parkland shooting happened Mm -hmm. a few years back. I don't know what it was about that particular incident, but it really just something in me said, don't go through with being a teacher, find something else. It just, it, it, it incited fear in me that, you know, I still would have loved to be a teacher, but it scared me so much that I'm scared to go anywhere. I'm scared to do anything. Um, And As a person who struggles with just general anxiety about things that, you know, this is something that causes anxiety and rightfully so it, for me, it just, I'm just scared to be honest. That's like, I think a lot of people are the simplest way to put it is I'm just scared. I want answers to fix the problem, right? but it seems like these things happen and then three months go by with nothing happening and then everyone just kind of moves on and no sort of change happens. So that's probably the most frustrating thing. And it's just, you know, the question of what do we do? How do we fix it? Right. And certainly we don't have a lot of confidence, unfortunately, in our leaders because they tend to try to politicize this or turn it into something else Mm -hmm. as, as opposed to actually trying to protect children or protect innocent uh, individuals. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the reality is a, a lot of research has been done around this. Uh, the FBI and the uh, Secret Service have done a lot of work. In fact, I have here in front of me a report that just came out January of this year, uh, which is the Secret Service most recent study of about four years worth of mass 
attacks in this one. They didn't just do people who used a gun. Uh, so there were 173 perpetrators in those four years. And then they looked at the, you know, the characteristics of those individuals and, and what happened. So some of the things we talk about today, I'll, I'll mention that. But the, the reality is, is nobody's talking about real data. Yeah. Nobody's talking about, you know, how do we protect people? They, they immediately try to politicize it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, people just kind of stick their head. I think you're, you're right to some extent what you said there. And we really kind of become numb to, numb to it in yeah. a frightening way. Right. Um, you know, the reality is at the end of the day, uh, these types of things do not happen with anywhere close to the to the kind of prevalence that they happen in this country anywhere else in the world. Right. Uh, there are certainly examples mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of different countries of, of individuals doing these things, but we're talking maybe once or twice in a decade, yep. whereas, uh, you know, we're sitting here today and we just a few weeks ago had uh, this horrible shooting in Nashville at this this small uh, Christian school. And now, uh, you know, less than two weeks later, we have uh, a shooting in a bank mm-hmm. in Louisville, Kentucky. And, and there is a real contagion when it comes to these things. If you look at the data, the likelihood that a second mass shooting will occur within two weeks is very high. Wow. Uh, and, you know, Parkland, you mm-hmm. mentioned that, that mm-hmm. happened in a very short period of time afterwards, we had Santa Fe. Yeah. And so, so that, you know, the, there's a, there's a role that the media plays in this kind of, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they kind of celebrate the person, but they certainly celebrate the event to some extent because of the just overwhelming coverage. Uh, and if you're a distressed individual out there, uh, who feels like they've been wronged, mm-hmm. uh, and you're looking to kind of strike back, mm-hmm. uh, this is your opportunity to, uh, perhaps, you know, get, make a name for yourself and kind of uh, hurt those that you think have hurt you. And uh, I think the media has a significant role to play in that. Well, Matt, I have a few questions for you that kind of tie into how mental health is related. I see a lot of times that, you know, certain people will say, this is a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. It's not a gun issue. It's a mental health issue. Right. But then we try to pass laws to get mental health reform in schools and in different places, and then they don't pass. So quite confusing. And I just wanted to share a quote I found from Dr. Ira Glick at Stanford University School of Medicine. This quote is in reference to a study done on the correlation between mental illness and mass shootings. It says, without losing sight of the larger perspective that most who are violent are not mentally ill, and most of the mentally ill are not violent, our message is that mental health providers, lawyers, and the public should be made aware that some unmedicated or untreated patients do pose an increased threat of violence. In your opinion, Matt, what drives a mentally ill person to commit something so heinous like this? And obviously, it probably varies from person to person, but in, right. just in your opinion. Yeah, and it's a, it's a difficult thing, uh, as the quote uh, says, to really talk about this, because the reality is the vast majority of you know, there's 58 million individuals in the United States with a mental illness. The vast majority never commit any kind of violent act. In fact, they're actually more likely on average to be the victims right. of, of violence because they're they're more likely to be taken advantage of. Uh, but there are a subset. You know, in this report that I just mentioned from the Secret Service, in these 173 individuals that, that were involved in a mass attack, you know, 58% of them had a mental health problem at the time of their, you know, of this attack that they uh, perpetrated. And obviously, in most instances, it was not being effectively managed. That's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the two most common mental health problems here were depression mm-hmm. and uh, a psychosis. 
And, and really, you know, if you just look at those two alone, what, what you have is uh, in the content, and psychosis is the easiest to understand. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, this is an individual who is uh, delusional, mm-hmm. a person who may be hallucinating. Uh, so they've lost uh, connection with reality. And mm-hmm. so they may have, you know, delusions of, you know, p- persecution. They feel that people are going to harm them. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've treated clients that had, you know, injured or killed other people because they believed that person was going to harm them. So yeah. if, you know, if you believed that, you know, there's some government conspiracy to harm you or something, or mm-hmm. uh, you have to strike out and try to stop that or, or make a make some kind of a message to them. Right. Uh, that's a little more easy, I think, for people to understand. Uh, but that was a, a much smaller subset of the, the more of them had depression. And and I think what we're seeing, you know, the, it's not that these things didn't exist in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, I mean, a lot of times the, the first, what's thought of as the first mass shooting occurred in 1966. That was the year I was born, yeah. you know, but and there were even ones before that. And certainly if you think about it in a broader sense and you don't include just shootings, you include bombings or, you know, arson or things like that. And they've gone back, you know, for a long time. The reality of what we're seeing is a a dramatic increase in the prevalence. What I would suggest is that because we're seeing so many of these individuals who have depression, Mm -hmm. uh, who are striking out, these are individuals that that in the past uh, would have, would have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in a sense, they are committing suicide. This is a suicidal act. Yeah. The, you know, the most of these individuals, they, it's the death by cop kind of thing. And right. so, you know, what they're doing is they have adopted or they believe or they've internalized some conspiracy theory, extremist kind of hate ideology or something where they're blaming somebody else for the distress that they're having. Mm-hmm. And you see that, for instance, in this this you know, young individual who just uh, harmed these children at the school in Nashville. You know, she's striking out mm-hmm. at, at them. Uh, and when you see them striking out at schools or at churches, then they're trying to strike out at the most innocent to have the biggest impact, but with the thought that they will also die in the event. And in the past, before we had things like social media or 24-hour news things and stuff like that, where people are constantly exposed to all kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can and they can be radicalized or be connected to these to these groups that have you know hate ideology or conspiracy theories. These individuals would would focus their aggression on themselves, and they yeah. would they would die by suicide in an attempt to to stop their pain. Yeah. Uh, well, now they're able to focus that out, and I think, and again, where I mentioned earlier, I think the media plays a role in that because the media kind of celebrates these events, not necessarily by saying they're a good thing. But by the amount of coverage that you see, and then that person sees that and thinks, well, this is my opportunity. Mm-hmm. And as we just said, these things occur in kind of clusters. And so I think that's why we're seeing a prevalence here. And so what what you're getting is a person who in the past may have chosen to move down the route of suicide, alone, isolated. They now strike out because they see that their distress and their problems are they believe they're being caused by some external group or society around them, and they want to strike out and do that. Whereas with this psychotic, disordered individual, it's a it's a break with reality. Right. They they don't that what they believe what they're doing they believe to be the right thing to do, perhaps in mm-hmm. that situation. But in both of these instances, you know, lack of mental health care is one aspect right. of the problem, uh, but it is a complex problem that includes access to weapons and, or, or I should say, access to highly lethal weapons, mm-hmm. the media, bad mental health care system, the breakdown of 
of connections within our society, no one thing right. is going to make this go away because no one thing brought it on. Another thing that I think has a big effect, and we're always arguing, you know, the Constitution and not just the Second Amendment right to bear arms, but also freedom of speech. You know, where do we draw the line of sp- freedom of speech when we have these hate groups online that are radicalizing individual, mentally ill individuals who take that and sure, maybe the words on a screen aren't in themselves violent, but are right. inciting the violence. Right. I think those the ideas that we have, the, the rights that we have laid out that we can have in this country are, are really based on the idea that the individual is is in full control or full uh, awareness of their of their cognitive abilities or, or reality. Yeah. You know, and so you know, if you and I perhaps see some kind of outlandish conspiracy theory online, we may be able to kind of tease that apart. Uh, Add to that if we just find ourselves in distress for whatever reason that may be, we're economically disadvantaged, we lost a job, we're having relational problems, that may make it more difficult for us to separate a real conspiracy or conspiracy from reality, mm-hmm. then add to that perhaps mental illness or, mm-hmm. or things like this. So, so you know, we're not all at the same level or ability to be able to differentiate these things from moment to moment. Yeah. Uh, and now when you're just, and it's more than just, you know, we can, you know, you can always have picked up a tabloid newspaper or magazine and read some wacky, you know, mm-hmm. aliens land on the White House lawn kind of thing. But now you can't get away from it. I mean, we're both sitting here, uh, you know, at this table doing this podcast. We both have our phones in front of us. And mm-hmm. So every, you know, extremist idea, every conspiracy theory that's out there presently is literally accessible Mm -hmm. to us through those phones at this moment. Uh, And we can just be absolutely overwhelmed by that. And then, you know, you get into something like what they call doom scrolling, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're just constantly scrolling through negative things that impacts your mental health. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop thinking that everybody that's having that social media is impacting is all at the same level of mental health. We're not. Uh, From moment to moment, we're not. And so if somebody's already in distress and struggling, that might be all that's necessary to push them over the edge. And then again, you add to that, you know, access to high, high impact type of weapons. You add to that, you know, all kinds of different things. And you have a very deadly cocktail. Based on what I've seen personally in online discourse on social media, like we were talking about, many people argue that untreated mental illness is the reason that these terrible events keep taking place in schools specifically. Um, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but you know, we, we've settled on the conclusion that it's a myriad of different things. It's Mm -hmm. not just one thing, but clearly mental health is a part of it. If that's true, then why isn't there funded a legislative requirement for mental health, trauma, substance abuse? Um, why isn't there that type of education in schools? And I know here at HHCI, that's why Gateway to Hope Schools was created to kind of of fill that unfunded need in schools, but we can't take over the world with right, that. Right. Um, I, I, I personally think that we do need funded legislative for that, but why haven't right. we yet? Why aren't we yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, I mean, again, I think the problem is, is that uh, we're not, we simply aren't willing to have a reasonable conversation about this. Mm-hmm. You know, those who are the change makers that have the control and the ability to do it, they, you know, we've lost our ability to have political discourse yeah. and discussion. Uh, and, and it's disturbing. You're absolutely right. We need more 
Well, you know, and, and, and schools would be great, but we, we need more access to mental health care, period. Everything. You know, in the United States today, a majority of people with mental health problems never receive any treatment mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And so uh, that fact by itself, I mean, you know, let's just, let's just you know, play a, you know, a hypothetical mind game here for a minute. You know, we've been hearing at least from one side, well, this is all mental health, mental yeah. health, mental health, mental health. And we've been hearing that for decades now. Right. Okay. Well, nothing's changed. I mean, and we've had a 37% increase in suicide rates in the last two decades. We, we have mental health numbers that right now that are so bad, we've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, Less than 50% of individuals with mental health problems have ever received any treatment, no matter how much money we've spent. And so we're not doing a good job on that front. So it's disturbing. I mean, a lot of state legislatures have mandated that teachers and administrators in schools be trained on how to recognize mental health problems. And that's where we've been involved. But, you know, part of the problem there is if you train people how to recognize mental health care problems and they don't have anywhere to send the children. Right. Another component of this is the kind of the breakdown of the family, you know, Mm -hmm. family dysfunction, family conflict, economic issues. I mean, for every 1% increase in the uh, unemployment rate, you see a 1.6% increase in the suicide rate. Wow. So, I mean, all of this stuff is so interconnected. Yeah. But, you know, we we don't, you know, we're not focusing on, say, limiting or, or minimizing stress and distress in, in individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly, you know, we are not, you know, at least from my opinion, we are not teaching our children to be resilient or to deal with stress. They don't know how to deal with stress. They just fall apart. And anybody that grows up that way, uh, when they're hit with the stressors of life as they become adults, uh, that just causes more and more problems. So I think it's, you know, it would be a great idea to have more mental health care in schools, but yeah. I think more mental health care almost anywhere yeah. would, would make an impact. I, I think that uh, these tend to be younger individuals that are mm-hmm. doing these things, mm-hmm. you know, and so we need to recognize that we, we've got a serious mental health crisis in this country. If the mass shootings went away tomorrow, and there mm-hmm. were no more mass shootings, we'd still have a mental health crisis in this country. Definitely. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that's an, that seems to me to be an easy and obvious place that maybe both sides of the political aisle would be interested in mm-hmm. saying, this is somewhere we can all help out. But again, uh, you know, in my personal opinion, I hear a lot more argument on people trying to keep their power than I hear people worried about trying to keep kids in school from getting shot. What's more important. Yeah. And that's on both sides of the aisle. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm find myself to be a particularly kind of non-political person. Mm -hmm. I'm just about trying to help people in distress. And, uh, you know, if we can't sit down and say, let's come up with a, a reasonable plan where we can do some things we agree on anything, anything to start with one of the things that we're talking about. uh, to try to reduce some of these things. And certainly affluent country, highly developed Western country, a majority of people with mental health problems should have access to mental health care. Matt, I feel like a lot of times I say violent people, but people who would commit something like this, they tend to show concerning signs before they go and do something drastic like this, shoot up a school, shoot up their workplace. Um, Whether it's posting ominous messages on social media, isolating themselves from others. In your opinion, what are some signs 
people should look out for and individuals that they think could pose a violent threat to others? Well, you know, I think that, um, first off, you know, we don't have to wonder. I yeah. mean, these reports are done, these, these studies have been done, and even this study that I have right here from the Secret Service, you know, uh, almost 50% of the individuals in mm-hmm. this study did have some kind of change, uh, mm-hmm. be that a personality or behavioral change. Uh, now, that's the difficult thing is that change kind of varied, but there was a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these people also expressed their concerns or issues uh, with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things I would say, if you're just looking for, you know, kind of, if you want to kind of go with the big numbers out of reports like this, yeah. you know, anyone who holds kind of extremist views uh, or um, to conspiracy theories. And, and again, let's not get into trying to decide, you know, things that people might consider a gray area. Right. I'm, I'm talking extremist kind of, you know, the Illuminati is, you know, controlling the world kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they or they hold, a, you know, a racist ideology towards certain groups. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these a lot of these mass shootings are racially motivated. Mm-hmm. They happen in synagogues. African American churches, Asian churches, things like that. And yeah. so so there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, as many as a third of these shootings are are generated that way. And so so anyone who holds an extremist view like that, then you find the person that they themselves are in distress. They're struggling economically. They're struggling academically. They're not able to move forward in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, add on to that some mental health issues that yeah. they're not able or have been uh, unwilling to get treated effectively. And you know now you really start to see a, kind of a dangerous cocktail. Add to that easy access to deadly weapons. Right. You know, and so they had you know this this person in uh, Nashville. I mean, she had multiple firearms that yeah. she'd purchased legally. Right. And, and you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, kind of gun reform, or you hear a lot of times things like uh, try to keep the guns out of these people's hands. I mean, there are laws on the yeah. books that, you know, people with certain mental health problems aren't allowed to purchase weapons and stuff like but that. like you said, most people yeah. go untreated, undiagnosed. Right. So, you know, yeah. and so that, you know, those are kind of meaningless. If you, yeah. you know, you don't, a law that you put in place that can't be policed mm-hmm. is meaningless. Totally. And so, you know, we've got to think about that. And, and so, you know, you're, you're looking at kind of a, a multiplicity of, of different factors here. But those, you know, what I would say is this if you see someone in distress, whether you think they might shoot up a school or not, we should assist them. You should help them get to, to care. Yeah. You know, it, you know, the best thing we can do to prevent these things in the future as individuals is to make sure that we have solid relationships with mm-hmm. one another in our, in our circles, that we're talking with one another through problems, that we are learning good coping skills for str- with stress and things like that, so that when the tough times come, we're able to kind of weather those tough times. Every one of these individuals did this in a particularly difficult time. There was like a kind of a triggering event, like a yeah. death of a family member, loss of a job, academic issue, things like that. I mean, you know, these didn't just happen in a vacuum. You don't just wake up on Thursday morning, everything's great, and you decide to go shoot up a church. Right. You know, I think that we have become extremely disconnected as a society. We are isolated from one another. Social media has made that way worse. We now, you know, we're desperately searching for identity and mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you, you know, and when you're in distress uh, and you're having a lot of problems and you find a group that's willing to draw you in, uh, no it becomes, what they believe in. right. Yeah. It becomes dangerous when you then are kind of learning that the thing to do is to 
look at this other group and say it's their fault for all your problems. Yeah. Because if you don't fully, aren't fully aware mm -hmm. of your behavior, uh, you may act out. But again, you know, in this study right here mm -hmm. by Secret Service, 58% of these individuals had a mental health problem. There's a lot of people there that don't have a mental health problem. Right. So it isn't just a mental... I mean, what I would say is there has never been a mass shooting in which the individual is not distressed. Of course. So we have to kind of move away, I think, from the idea of mental illness or mental disorders. Mm -hmm. These people are all psychologically distressed, mm -hmm. uh, and they're unable to cope with that. Mm -hmm. uh, whether they meet criteria for a mental illness or not is really kind of meaningless. Yeah. Uh, and they have no outlet to try to deal with that for some reason, whatever that may be. Right. Uh, and I think to some extent, because of the way we cover this in the media, because of the way we've become numb to it in our society, and because of the exposure people have on social media to violence and conflict and things like that, I think that basically what we're doing is we are generating these individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, so the individuals that are going to commit the next acts are right now being kind of primed fed. by all of these things fed. That's yeah. a great, great word. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are, and, and every time an event occurs like mm -hmm. this, a horrific event like this occurs, it moves them one step or step closer to the next act. Yeah. Let's get to a point where we talk about our problems with one another, where we help one another get to care. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a great opportunity for the church mm -hmm. uh, to to provide supportive services, to connect with the mental health community, to be a place where uh, we're helping families, uh, you know, not only learn how to be in quality relationships with one another, but helping them, uh, you know, deal with economic tidal waves, you know, like pandemics and things like that. I mean, helping one another deal with the stressors of life. So we're living in community together so that there are people out there that's that are isolated and alone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's easy to stand back and just start barking off a lot. Well, it's this problem, it's that problem, and you need to do that, and let's get rid of all the guns and more mental health care and all that. But the reality is, is that that every day we interact with people and those people may be hurting. You know, we need to have relationships that are real uh, and transparent and we need to share our own junk yep. so that they'll share their junk. And uh, that's the way that we change the culture. Now, again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't enact certain regulations and, and laws and, and new systems. I, I think we need to do that because we're just going to have more and more of these. Uh, but I do think that we've got to start on a personal level uh, and, and we have to say, well, I'm going to make sure that all of my friends feel comfortable having a conversation with me if they're in distress. And I, frankly, if everyone did that, Mm -hmm. I think we'd see a big change. Well, thank you, Matt. And thank you everyone for listening. As always, I'm going to put Hope and Healing Center resources in the show notes. Coming up soon, Matt and I will be recording some more Q&A episodes. Any kind of question you have that you want me and Matt to talk about, it could be on violence like we're talking about right now, or it could be something extremely personal. Um, you could send those to me at contact at hhci.org and you might just hear me and Matt talk about your question. Well, thank you, Matt. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Emily.